0: Say the date was again. It's the fourteenth, January. Perfect. Um, can you tell me your name quickly? Um, Daniel Baldwin. Okay. Um, and it says here you're applying for the position of Hoyas basketball. Fan? Yes, sir. You're yeah. correct, Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, well. Daniel, uh, looking at your resume here, I I, I definitely see some uh, solid previous experience. It says you've been a Jet fan for over ten years.
1: Yes, yes, you read that correctly. Okay. I, I have been a Jet fan my entire life. How how has that uh, prepared you for the role of Hoyt <laughs> Well, you see, the Jets have one of the longest active streaks of not going to the NFL playoffs currently in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um we just we just fired our head coach Mm -hmm. we hired a head coach who was in miami who just got fired Mm -hmm. so you know things are looking real good that end. we have no offensive line we have no defensive line the ownership is a mess
0: i apologize this is is no butt fumble it's all right hey we don't make those jokes Um, anymore (laughs) moving on um you do understand that the job of Hoya fan is a full-time commitment Right. Yeah, I do. No, yes, no vacation. Of course. Are you, are you okay with that? I wouldn't want it any other way. Okay, and and this you know this job in the form of an unpaid internship, we'll call it, um, is also very time demanding. It requires you to, to actively follow the team and go to games. Does yep. that all sound good? Okay. Yeah, sounds good. I, I uh, I'd love to do all that stuff. It sounds exciting. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Well. You obviously seem very qualified here. What what personal skills do you think you have that would make you a good oil fan?
1: Well, I specialize in about three or four. Mm-hmm. One, I've had tons of experience in masochism. Okay. Two, I break televisions every other Sunday when the Jets are on. Mm-hmm. Three, the amount of temper tantrums that I throw that involve cursing, mm. throwing phones—I I could say it's up to
0: infinity. Okay. The cursing is a big one. That's something we love to look for here at uh, at Georgetown. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, it also says uh, that you took Latin in high school. I, I did four years of it. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I, you might want to take that off. Yeah, Latin's a dying language. Um, but anyway, we will let you know uh, in a little while about your candidacy. here. It was great talking to you, Daniel. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Two weeks later, uh, Daniel. Thank you for coming back. Um, of course. Like I said before, you' had a very, very strong application. We have some good news. We'd like to uh, offer you the position of Hoya fan. Uh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness! This is the best day of my life. Thank you so wow. much, sir. Yeah. Um, well, as of now, as a member of the uh, Hoya family, we only ask that you know, as a part of your initiation into the family, you do two things. Um, you first attend the home game tonight against Marquette. <laughs> against Marquette at
1: yeah. home. I mean, I, I guess they're the number 15 team in the nation, but really outside of Marcus Howard, they don't have anyone qualified to beat us too badly on the offensive end, and they don't really play good defense, and they're really not good away from home. I mean, I feel like that's a, that's a,
0: that's a pretty winnable game, right? Yeah, uh, you you can think that. Um, and in addition to the Marquette game, we'd also like for you to attend the Creighton game on the 24th. Is that also at home? Yeah. <laughs> Creighton stinks away from Nebraska I mean, they're road woes They're terrible
1: They're the bottom feeders of the Big East this year I mean, there's no way They come into the nation's capital And take down us They have no one who can match up against Jesse No one who can guard our perimeter players We're too deep, we're too versatile We'll slow them down for sure <sighs>
0: He'll
1: learn, he'll learn on, the inbound They get it to Akinjo, eight seconds to go, Bailey on him, Akinjo, drives, Akinjo, blocked by Theo John, Sam Hauser with the basketball in his hands, Theo John, the leader in the conference. I don't think that he ran the play that Patrick wanted, and Theo John, Marquette's been good all night in health defense. without Marcus Howard. Okay, if this mates. did you foul if you Marquette? Well, it's a career high for Hauser. Time to go from midcourt, court. McClung, not this time. Marquette escapes with a career night from Sam Hauser. This
0: gets his own miss. Loose ball on the floor. Zimorowski. Alexander for three. Hits it. Another big shot by Alexander. 26 this place is quiet. Get the
1: scramble. All you do right now is touch the ball, game over. The Green
0: Blue Jays will snap their four-game losing streak as they end this game on an 8-2 run. How you feeling now, Daniel?
1: Up
0: or... I'm sorry, son. I tried to tell you. <sighs> you know,
1: that's what life as being a Hoya fan is, feels right now. We mm-hmm. just wanted to give you guys a little bit of perspective. And thought it would be a fun time to do a little skit to open up uh, DC's Take 5 on this rainy, warm uh,
0: January... When? Thursday, actually. Yeah, that's such a weird combo of words right there. It's <laughs> like 55 out, drenched. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dan, Dan uh, actually specifically requested this because he's taking a Shakespeare class now and wants to work on his acting. So
1: I got criticized and humiliated in class today. Yeah. But you know. I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, it's great to be back. Not un- Unfortunately, not because of the results, but because we love podcasting and talking about Hoya Hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, Georgetown dropped uh, both home games against Marquette, who was then ranked number 15. They're now ranked number 12. And most recently to Creighton, who was previously in last, pay- last place in the Big East, but now we are tied with them for last place. So that's where we are right now. And our next upcoming game is at St. John's, Sunday at noon, and quite frankly, we're kind of at the stage of the season where we have reached a boiling point. Tempers are flaring, fans are upset, there's confusion, people are doubting Coach Ewing. We've got a lot to talk about today. Oh yeah, oh yeah. With that, let's just get right to it. You know, they actually played this at the Creighton game.
0: Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Really? And that's why we lost. Holy shit. Well, <laughs> honestly, I'm kind of done making excuses at this point. I, I don't want to blame it on the music anymore.
1: Oh, man. I mean, so let's start with the Marquette game. Yeah. Georgetown lost 74-71. We actually went into halftime up 40-37. to 37. The worst part was I have a class Tuesday nights from 6.30 to 9.15, so mm-hmm. that was the First home game of this semester that I couldn't attend. I was on my phone the entire class, texting for updates yeah. on ESPN, trying to get the stream up on my phone. Uh, I guess if there was a half to watch,
0: it would have been the first half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was. oh man. It's just like the team finds different ways to rip your heart out every time. Oh, at least they're creative with it though. Yeah, in all fairness,
1: it, it's, it's got to be a skill. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like our brand equity at this point. It's like how a company over the years. Putting slowly, on its marketing major. Yeah, they right slowly, slowly build up a perception within their consumers' minds, and that's what Georgetown has done. Yeah. We expect to lose close games, and you know what? Every, every single time we think it's not going to happen, they find a new way to do it. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and this was. This game, losing this game was especially exceptional considering that. The one player that you and I each thought would give us nightmare problems was Marcus Howard, and unfortunately for him, he had to leave the game early
0: due to back spasms, yeah. and he couldn't return only, played three minutes. Yeah, and, and the fact that they were able to beat us without one of the best scorers in the country is just so much harder to swallow. Yeah, and
1: considering the game that we got out of Mac McClung as well, Seven of eleven from the field, and if we want to put a little caveat in that stat, seven of ten because of that last half-court yeah. heave.
0: Yeah, he couldn't strike magic twice. Yeah,
1: went four of six from downtown, four uh, four boards, and assist to steal, and twenty-four points, easily his best game in the Blue and Gray so oh, far. Yeah. He's been
0: fantastic in Big East play. Um, I mean, we'll we'll talk about more about his development once we you know we'll circle back to it once we run through our main points for the game, but I was so impressed with how he played. He came out super aggressive. I think he had our first ten points or something like that. You know, Ewing sat him for almost the rest of the first half in typical fashion. But um yeah. this was definitely definitely Mac's best game against the best competition we've played so far in you know typical Mac fashion. Yeah.
1: The kids always seems to find a way to rise to the occasion. And what he was doing was he was providing a reliable outside guard dynamic that we haven't seen at all this season. We haven't really had a guard, except maybe you look at James from the Illinois game way back when, yeah. consistently find ways to score on the outside and on the inside yeah. in, a, in a both effective and efficient manner. Like, Mac wasn't just throwing up shots yeah. from the outside and getting his 24 on, like, 4 of 17 <laughs>
0: He was Some James Harden numbers right there. Yes, yes.
1: He instead really showed to be a true matchup problem, and Marquette really struggled to guard him. Unfortunately for Mac, the one free throw he missed Uh was the one to tie the game late. But overall, he played... He was the bright spot of this team in this game.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, it really raised the question with how well he's played since he's come back from his ankle injury... If he should be our second option now in terms of how often he has the ball in his hand, how many touches he gets, how much free reign he has. I absolutely believe he should
1: be. And I really don't think it should be a debate, to be honest with you. When you look at the effectiveness and the consistency of pretty much every single offensive category for Georgetown, no one comes close to Jesse, and that's expected. Jesse's the third most efficient scorer in the nation and the best big man in the Big East. You could make a claim that he's a top five offensive big man in the country, and yeah. I don't
0: think I saw some. Some I didn't mean to catch you off I saw a crazy stat in the Creighton game that, um, in terms of all NCAA centers, he is the best. I think shooter and has the most double doubles. Yeah, of, of any, which is insane.
1: Does that surprise you? A little bit, yeah. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. A lot of big men, when it comes to pure centers, and Jesse's built like a pure center. He's a big guy. He's strong. He's thick. He's just, <laughs> he just
0: didn't mean with that. how many cues, Dan? <laughs> how many cues?
1: Love me some Jesse, but uh, oh, he um. <laughs> When you're a center of that stature and have the ability to consistently come off down screens, pivot, and turn into a three pointer as effectively and efficiently as he has been, I mean, not many people can do that at the age of 21. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. getting back to McClung, mm-hmm. I absolutely think he should be.
0: Yeah, yeah. An interesting thing that I've um, you know, founded my stalking, <coughs> I mean, research of Mac, uh, is that since the Richmond game on November 28th, These are his stats. This is in nine games. So in 28 minutes a game, he's averaging 18 points on 45% shooting, 35% from three, with two and a half boards and about two assists, and only two turnovers a game. That's fantastic, especially from a young point guard who
1: wasn't even expected to start this year.
0: Oh my God, he just keeps defying expectations. And, you know, all things aside with the, you know, hero like narrative that Mac has behind him, for a freshman, that's fucking amazing. When you look at his,
1: just look at his last four games 38, 16, 24, 10. I mean, I think Creighton was a bit of an aberration.
0: Well, he. He didn't we'll play much that. first yeah, of all. That made no sense.
1: Again, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, he was the true bright spot for us on offense. And I was gonna say, one player that kept us in this game that nobody speaks about, and in my opinion, deserves to get a little bit recognition for his play is Caleb Johnson. Yeah. He played twenty minutes, put up twelve points, was was hitting his layups, which... <laughs> he even hit a three. Like. He did! <laughs> yeah. People forget that last year, Caleb Johnson was a steady starter, yeah. and he expanded his offensive repertoire to behind the arc. Opponents don't know that because he hasn't played much this yeah. year, but if you give Caleb time to set his feet, look at the rim, square himself, and shoot, odds are the three has a good chance of going yeah. in. And just because he most most of the time he plays way he plays on offense is trying to get to the hole and create opportunities for his teammates off of offensive rebounds. People don't necessarily remember that, but I thought he played great. I thought he was hustling. I thought he played very solid yeah. defense, and he was a big reason why we took the lead at the end of the first half. Yeah,
0: Caleb's play has been very underrated and very steady, which and no one else, really, from our bench has been. Um, it, it's been a very interesting thing to see. Um And I think shines a little bit of light on the way Ewing's rotations have been and who exactly should be getting more minutes. Because you look at Caleb and the way he's played the last few games, I think he should be getting a few more minutes than what he currently is.
1: Yeah, because when you look at what Ewing is working with, and people like to use the term deep a lot. Oh, Georgetown's a deep roster. Deep can mean a bunch of different things, and in that term... I think you're talking about quantity. (laughs) Georgetown has a lot of players that can come in and do different things. And I think... (laughs) Not all of them well. (laughs) No. Not at all. Yeah. But when you look at how he's attacked certain games, I think that he's really had a tough time of feeling which players are contributing the most and how they can be effective in different yeah. spots.
0: The thing is, our bench is almost entirely made up of specialists. They I are. Mean, almost our whole team is specialists. This is something I mentioned earlier. We don't really have any all-around players. The closest player we have to being an all-around threat is Jamarco, and he's just mediocre at both ends. That's you know He's probably our most balanced player, to be honest. And that's, uh, that's something. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a bad sign. But, um... Yeah, to your point about Caleb, even if you think about other, uh, you know, members of the bench mob, J- J- uh, Jagan, you know, no no scoring there, but he's going to make the right play, for better or worse, um, and play solid defense, not a flashy player. Javon, shooting, that's it. Um, that's literally it. No, it, yeah, literally <laughs> it. Um, he doesn't even, I mean, he'll shoot it. He might not make it, but uh, you think of Javon, you even think of Trey, I mean, he's just there to foul and get scored on at this point. Um, and then, you know, you think of Caleb, and it's, he's kind of our bruiser in a weird way. He's, like, probably our most physical player. Which I would is, agree with that. Which is crazy. I mean, you said, uh, I think you when you interviewed him at Media Day, you said he put on, what, 15 pounds? He put on a lot of weight, yeah. That's, that's a lot for, you know, a junior into a senior, and I think it's, you know, his rebounding's been so good for us off the bench. And, mm-hmm. um, I really think that... He's been one of the more underrated contributors Especially in Big E's play, I would say You know, his seniority is starting to show I would think that I, I thought Ewing actually did a solid job Of
1: deciding to play Caleb a lot in that game But when you look at the minutes The thing that I find peculiar Is Josh Granted, Josh doesn't do much offensively Like he's, he's, The skill set isn't quite there yet Especially back to the basket, yeah, looking to pull up. Um, he did hit a three. Yeah, he did. He very much did. But, you know, only 19 minutes. And in favor of that, Caleb, you're sprinkling Trey in there. I mean,
0: how does Trey, in 5 minutes, like... <laughs> yeah. That God. might
1: be the most... That might be the wildest stat of that game, that Trey played five
0: minutes and picked up four fouls. He wasn't even guarding elite bigs, he was guarding fucking Theo John, who looks like he could be an MMA fighter. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, we, we kind of strayed a little bit there from the main reasons that uh, the team ended up losing, despite max's great game, was, I think, two other main points, uh, the biggest one of which it was the performance of James. I mean, James put up a
1: stinker. That's for certain. When you look at his stats, he played 34 minutes, one of ten from the field. He got eight points, seven boards, eight assists, a steal, two fouls. He was six of one eight from turnover. the line. Yeah. I mean, the thing that James needs to begin to understand is that not every game is going to be his shooting night, especially when you're only six feet tall. Yeah. And Marquette. Like part of the reason that the, his primary defender, Marquette's coach Steve Wojnowski, put in Brendan Bailey, who's a six foot eight versatile combo guard forward, to stick with James, yeah. trusting that he could recover using his length on
0: James, worked like a charm. Yeah, James couldn't get anything going, he nothing. But he still he kept forcing it, and that's what annoyed me. That might have been honestly one of the more like almost a side unexpected consequence of Marcus Howard getting injured. It was. even on, you know, when he was in, we were just running him ball screen after ball screen, and he was was just dying, right? Mm -hmm. Because Howard himself's only 5'11", which makes his scoring even more amazing, right? Yes. But uh, yeah, James sucked, dude. And especially without even talking about the last play, last two plays of the game, where he tried to go two-on-one against guys who had a combined foot-and-a-half height advantage over him. I just don't... You know, I, I don't want people to look at the game and look at his counting stats and think he played well. That's funny because I remember when
1: I wrote my write-up on Creighton and a Kinjo fanboy chirped my article saying, like, oh, you didn't focus enough on his assists. But this is yeah. a perfect example of looking at the stat sheet and not telling the entire story. James has the ball a lot.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say that. He dominates
1: ball possession when it comes to each possession on offense for Georgetown. He's the one manning the point, and he you can man the point and move the ball a lot. James dribbles a lot. He likes to dance on defenders, and right now he doesn't have that next-level speed to get by defenders when he gets them on their heels all the time. Sometimes he can. It wasn't happening in this game, and the amount of time that he had the ball.
0: Like, goddamn right he should be getting eight assists. That's the thing. He has eight of our 13 team assists. Like, I I think if we looked at other box scores, it'd be similar, where he has a a vast majority of our team's assists because he probably has, you know, 80% of our possessions, you know? So, I mean, he's obviously a good passer, but a lot of his passing ability reminds me of Russell Westbrook's. I agree with that 100%. Where it's like... I don't know how much of a natural passer he is and how much of a – even mentality-wise, they're kind of similar Um, now that I think about it. But it's just a lot of his assists are more like he'll dribble a lot, draw two guys, and then just kick to someone open, and they shoot it right away. Like, okay, that counts as an assist, but I don't know how much of a basketball play that is. I don't know how much of a rhythm play that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's also very talented at when he does
1: get into the teeth of the defense – If he can get past that primary defender, he's good at drawing in big men and slipping the ball to a cutting big man on the baseline or from the other other elbow. But the problem is he isn't consistently good enough to get past that primary defender, especially if that defender is bigger than he is and weighs more and is stronger. You can tell that he's still having difficulty... Picking and choosing his moments, and right now, especially in this game, let's get to the final sequence. Yeah, right. So, Georgetown gets a big stop. Down one, thanks to Mac hitting a free throw the previous possession. James goes, brings to the left side, crosses up his boy Brendan Brendan Bailey, and went right up with the left hand. And Theo John came over and swatted it into the second. Yeah.
0: Like, some volleyball shit.
1: Yeah. So, what happens? Ewing... They have 11 seconds. Yeah, Ewing... Like, you know, this is part of his development as well. Calls a timeout, draws a play up. And I believe the play was actually meant for a Jesse Govan three-pointer. I like
0: it. An off-ball down screen by Trey. Mac was also getting a back screen to come up from the other wing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, on the right wing. So, James had two options. He had Jesse, who was
1: open off of the Trey screen, to his left. And he had Mac. Who was curling up on the other side to his right, both of which were open.
0: Yeah.
1: Instead, he took Bailey again to his right. This time, with the same
0: exact
1: result. Yeah.
0: And it wasn't just him. It was you know it was uh it was I think Theo John was his help defender there too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was just so annoying. Like I'm trying to find the picture now. But even when he drove here, uh. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Um, there was also another one, too, of when Jesse ended up slipping down uh, to the corner, bringing his defender with him, and Theo John came up to help. Trey's wide open. And, I, you know, I'm not saying you trust Trey with the shot. but if You you're trust making... Trey with a bunny. Yeah, yeah, you trust Trey with a bunny. Like, I just, you know, even more so, the fact that he called off Ewing to do that is For the second game in a row. Yeah, because you had mentioned that before in the Providence win where... Um, He pulled up for three, right, without, um, you know... Ewing wanted a timeout,
1: and James said, I got it, I got it at the end of regulation. Pulled up for
0: a long three, clanked it, and Ewing lost his mind. Yeah, man, I I think... I I like how Ewing handled it by benching him. I honestly would have done that, too. He needed a lesson, yeah. And James played way more composed, and he was much more of a natural point guard in the second game. But what annoys me is that it's kind of his... His personality rearing its head at literally the worst time. Like, call your own numbers, sure, but I just don't get how. And you know, confidence obviously is the necessary thing to be a good basketball player. But I just don't get how he thinks that's going to work out. Like, you know, especially after it literally just. Ha- like, what does he think it's going to be different? Like, the guy's not going to want to block his shot this time. Just because he's, like, he's going to the right. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, I'll I'll let him shoot it and hit the game winner. No like oh my god that so much annoyed me and that like is probably the worst quality of James that you have to take with all of the good things he does but it was just it was the worst timing in the world for that to become an issue and the let ball, me tell you something Carter the ball should have been in Mac's hands it should have been it should have been in his Even for, for Jeffy, him to run the play cuz he can run an offense we've seen that in the games where James has had foul trouble Yeah, he should have the ball because then I would way more trust Mac driving to the rim and you know ditching the play than James. Just by nature of the fact that he's bigger, more athletic, and a much better finisher. Absolutely. Um, And the crazy part was the
1: students were great that game, especially the people that went to the Providence game because nobody really had anything going on for the Providence game, so they came, and a lot of people were saying it was the best game that he, you know, that they've been to. So, what happens? They go to this game and then they see that. Yeah, and that stinks. And now it's just frustrating because that would have been a top fifteen win. Yeah, it would I mean, have been came yeah. with a little bit of an asterisk. Yeah, yeah. But it would have been a top fifteen win. And that's frustrating, but Jesus Christ! Yeah, let's go to the
0: Creighton game since that's more recent. One other thing, also just quickly before we get there, mm-hmm. um, Jesse had a really quiet game. Uncharacter, honestly, I wouldn't say uncharacteristically of him, but you know Theo Johns like apparently somehow five pounds less than him just looks way stronger, um, and they were just shoving Jesse out to the three point line. He hit his shots, but he was pretty much relegated to being a spot up shooter in the game. He was, yeah, and um, that's very it's, it's odd.
1: Well, I wouldn't it's say us- so. It's difficult to. S- it's usually like how often have you seen Jesse struggle to get his
0: spot consistently within a game I have in, really? in most of Big E's play this year yeah mm-hmm. um, I think it's really just his limitations are coming out like he's not really quick he's not, he's not that strong he's pretty strong but he's not like strong strong um, and it's just it's what he is and I honestly thank God he got better at shooting because I don't think he would have had a chance in the league if he wasn't a knockdown shooter like It's just, I think it's just revealing his limitations with this, which is tough, especially on defense, right? The fact that Theo John, a fucking scrub, was five for six from the field. He had 14 points. Like, come on. See, I thought that was, see, I I, I get that, like, he
1: struggled in that game. I do think our guards have a problem of getting him the ball in places where he can do damage, though. I think Mm -hmm. the, I think opponents are using bigger guards. I'm not saying it's just James and Mack. I'm saying that occasionally, like, Javon has problems with it. Oh, yeah, he can. Even Greg has problems with it. Greg's Jim probably our best at it. I would think. say Jagan is. Really? I think uh-huh. Jagan is much better than both James and Mac at working with Jesse, getting the ball in and moving around him to create good, like, dynamic back and forth. Jagan's incredibly limited offensively in that sense, but he's good at working through Govan, and that's what I like about him him hmm. yeah see i have like when i'm broadcasting the games a lot of times i get frustrated because i'm like they're not getting the ball to jesse down low and there are a lot of times that especially when it's like the angle that i have when i'm broadcasting like we're up i'm up a little bit it's easier to see some things that are going on a lot of times especially james and mac they do have problems trying to put the ball like just get it into them yeah yeah That's not to say that Jesse has the ability to score every time when he has the back to the basket. Yeah. It's just that if you're Ewan you would want most possessions running through him. Yeah.
0: You keep him involved. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I'll probably have to watch more film on that. But another thing I wanted to bring up, I actually do think James is quick enough to get past his initial defender almost every time. Hmm, But one thing I noticed in the Creighton game especially, he tries too much to play like, you know, a fucking street baller. Okay, let's go to the Creighton game. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. Um, another awful loss that <laughs> um, I honestly I do think it exposed um, our defense more than anything because our defense was pretty solid against Marquette. Um, I would say, but you know, based on the minus the Hauser was, performance, yeah, but he he was hitting tough shots. He was like, let's not discount that. He was, yeah. He played um, a
1: he he stood on his side. He played a great
0: and game, he was, and he was you know he was ten for twenty. It wasn't like he was like fifteen for twenty. You yeah. know, he like hit like some
1: ridiculous three yeah. pointers, like game, in the of, second game half. of his life.
0: You yeah. know, um, And, and, and typ- you the kids, kids' grandparents fashion. were there too, in typical fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they they
1: kept talking about that on the broadcast. So oh, that was nice for them to see. I feel
0: a little better about that, but still, fuck him anyway. I think the Creighton game really just that, like, oh god, that and the Xavier game, like that's the that's that one stretch against Xavier in the second half, spread out over an entire game. It was so tough to watch. I couldn't be at it because if I remember correctly, it was cold as shit that night, and I was just like, am I going to go an hour? round trip to go watch the Hoyas in a game that's not going to be as enjoyable as I hope it would be and you know, thankfully I was right but um, the Creighton game really a lot of problems came through with that
1: yeah and I think you hit on the number one problem defense I find it ironic quite frankly that a Patrick Ewing coached team I mean Ewing was known for his defense both on the Knicks the Hoyas I mean they were known as uh, Hoya Paranoia when he was here, he was hard nosed. He was basically a bulldog in the middle. nobody everyone was afraid of him. And yeah. this team just—it was a—it was just a confused, uncoordinated, yeah. jumbled mess against Creighton. I did a lot of. Um, I'm writing an article on. How to fucking fix this shit? (laughs) And um, quite frankly, forward it to Ewing, dude. I'm sure. I'm sure he's a net ID, right? (laughs) I'm sure he does. I don't think he'll appreciate my help. But uh, one thing that I really noticed was our lack of awareness off of makes killed us in the second half against Creighton. There were numerous times where we would make a shot and we'd turn and we'd start jogging back. And the ball would immediately be at mid uh, mid court. Creighton did a unbelievable job at pushing us off of makes and getting open looks because of that. Do you want to who killed us? Like, I mean, that's how Mitch Ballack and Marcus Zagorowski each got into double figures. Yeah, who, the, who the hell are those guys? <laughs> Fun fact: <laughs> okay. both of those two players have the highest. Three point shooting percentage in the Big East
0: Oh of course
1: Yeah, And we completely shut him down In the first half Zagorowski zeg- uh, hit one three in the first And Ballard was held scoreless I believe Um, But uh, it, They did a great job There was one play in particular Where I believe it was um, Jamarco He hit a corner three And all We were jogging back It was one pass in, a swing all the way up to uh, midcourt on the right. And I believe it was Davion Mintz who fucking shredded us. Mm -hmm. Went right in. And James and Jamarco each fell and collapsed on top of Mintz. Not coordinating, really. Mm -hmm. They each just went right on him. He pivoted back out. Zagorowski, the highest three-point shooting percentage in the Big East, trailing
0: for a step-in three. bang.
1: I mean, that's just free points. Yeah,
0: a lot of, There were a lot of just bad plays like that in this game. Uh, some, of, some quotes I pulled from Ewing's postgame, um, which are honestly really concerning, someone asked him, they were like, hey, you're re- you were really good at defense. You obviously know how to play defense. Why isn't your team playing defense? And he said, you know, along the lines of, my schemes don't really mean shit when players can't carry them out. Um, meaning, like he has his schemes, but he needs people to be able to execute them. I mean, that's the the coach's language version of that. And he said he's looking for the right blend, which I think also alludes to some stuff we said about finding. You know, especially in the starting lineup, he's been tinkering with that recently. Um, but I, I was just worried. He talked a lot about energy and effort, and, and I was like, oh no, oh no, this is bad. Like that's not what you want to hear, especially given that. You know, defense has been our biggest strength or weakness, biggest struggle, I should say, throughout the entire season, Um, and I don't see any improvement on that end from the beginning of the year. If anything, I've seen a little bit of a regression, at least concerning the intangibles against these better teams. That's an incredibly concerning quote, because when
1: you look at that, maybe this is something that he can learn from. I mean, I hope he can, because if you're a coach... You shouldn't be measured as to how good your schemes are. Your ability to coach should be measured on how well you can adapt and build schemes around the strengths of your roster. Not how well you can get your roster to work with With your your, scheme. And if this roster isn't running the scheme that he wants, adapt. Change the scheme. Understand the what they're good at. That's the job of a coach. Yes. Yeah. And
0: y- y- you know what? The event is a lot of energy and effort. So get Same your one. players motivated. Yeah, get them to care about something. And they're obviously not caring about what you're doing now. So change the, change what you can control. You can't... Oh, man. That's, we'll get to this eventually, but... Two other things I wanted to bring up from the game was how we've basically gotten nothing from our role players in Big East play, which again I think it's it's weird. They're like they're specialists that aren't really good at what they're special at. Mm-hmm. Like Javon is. I was I said this to Will as I was watching the game. I'm like Javon is like the worst shooter that's known as a shooter that I've ever seen. He did I'm have like, well, a couple is... go in and out against. But Creighton. I'm like, but look at this. um Look at this stat line. It's 15 minutes. One for four from three, nothing else. He was. I'm like, what are you doing? And he played over Mac the entire second half. He played the last 14 minutes of the game. I saw. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? I will
1: say, I actually did think our bench did a good job this game. So if we take out James, right? Um, so we take out James's six points, right? And let's take out Javon's three. We have Trey, Caleb, and Jamarko. They gave us a combined twenty-two points. Yeah, that's solid in my opinion. That's true. That's true. Um, and Creighton, if we throw Creighton, in Jagan, who basically played, who's ba- who basically played was bachelor, backup yeah. minutes, and James played starter minutes, that's twenty-seven. Yeah. This, but again, I think this was an anomaly. I think you're right
0: yeah. because yeah. Creighton, they Creighton they don't play defense. They, they and they they the difference between us and them, they don't even want people to think they play defense. Yeah. Honestly. Like, you know what? It's their brand equity. They're like, we suck at defense. We're, we're going to outscore you. We're going to chuck a shit ton of threes and see what happens. And that's what they do. But, like, we, you know, we, we played their style, right? That's the thing, fast, running, gun. We, we just didn't do it as well. Um, you know, save the free throws that we missed. Each team shot almost 50% from the field and 45% from three. Um, which, you know, great for us, sure. But... I just don't... I don't know. I don't don't want us to, like, become a Creighton. You know what I mean?
1: No. And the most concerning thing was... Ewing was doing everything he could to find certain rotations and personnel that worked on defense. Because the offense wasn't really an issue this game. When you put up 87 points at home, you should win. 10 out of 10 times. Oh my god, yeah. But... My biggest concern was... We were having
0: trouble. Remember earlier in the year, we were having trouble cracking... Was it 70 or Yeah, seventy? those two? And now we're
1: known as a scoring team. Yeah. Which is wonderful, but, you know, I'd actually prefer to be known as a defensive team. I agree. Um, But the biggest problems were, like... I mean, I thought Greg was abysmal on the defensive end that game. Like, to start out the second half... He just couldn't stay in front of Devion Mintz. It was Mintz a lot on the left side, and Greg's first step just wasn't as quick as Mintz's. He just couldn't stay in front of him. And Greg is actually—for if, if for anyone that listens to this podcast, they know that we love Malinowski. We are two of his biggest fans, Yeah, we, and we think he plays solid defense. It just wasn't there. And then at one point in the game, he had Malinowski on Tyshawn Alexander. Look, like, are you kidding
0: me? Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. It was so frustrating. Yeah, I I think we like Greg because he tries, but his limitations are becoming really clear too, you know? Right after the Butler game. Yeah. When he dropped about, what was it, 26, 26 points? 10 to 12 shooting. He was doing, I, I could tell it was an anomaly, not just because he was hitting his open threes, but he was doing some, he was, remember that, that in and out, Yep. step back between the legs on that I'm like okay well this is <laughs> yeah, he threw up the like the whatever that is um, the threes over his yeah, eyes yeah 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 looking like an owl or some shit yeah. um, I do want to talk knew about that I knew um, that was an anomaly I want to talk about Ewing's rotations in this okay. game too well I'll quickly mm-hmm. um, just you know doing our reporter due diligence Ewing did say he didn't play Mac in the second half because his leg because he, not because his leg was bothering him because he thought his leg was bothering him which so, also kind of con- confused me. I was like, I was like, so you, you didn't you didn't ask him if he was okay? Like you just took him out and said, I don't think you look a hundred percent.
1: It's interesting too because Mac got out to a slow start. I personally thought this was going to be a big game for McClellan Yeah, you did say that. I, I I didn't think Creighton had the guards that could stay in front of him and guard him consistently. They really didn't, and he got I think close to about eight points. In 90 seconds, had, close he had a to the a end seven of the first point half, stretch.
0: Yeah, it was a drive, and then which I was maybe the most encouraging play of the game for me. James drew two defenders on a fast break and kicked it to him in the corner, um, and then he had like a nice little pull-up jumper. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that was you know. He missed some open threes, which did. you know, which will happen. Right? Yeah, you know, um, he's still
1: but, learning and he's still getting that consistent rhythm from beyond the yeah, arc. His
0: jumpers so much better though. It is, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, so as you were saying, it was, uh, you know, he was starting to get a rhythm going, and then Ewing just sits him, like I, and it, you know, maybe his legs the reason, but I just don't. it's just it confuses me. It's frustrating
1: to hear that. Yeah, that's, that's hear a coach say, "I thought his leg was bothering him." Yes. Did he say his leg was bothering him? Yeah. No, he didn't. But it's just it, it doesn't sound like a legitimate excuse for me. And one of my biggest gripes from this game was down the stretch. I don't know if you noticed this; a lot of people didn't. And it's it, it's a tactic that a lot of coaches like to use, especially down the stretch. It, there was four, it, it was four minutes and three seconds left in the second half, right? I believe Creighton was shooting foul shots. Ewing sub Jesse out and put Trey in.
0: Oh yeah, Jesse wasn't even in foul trouble.
1: No, but okay. So his reasoning behind that, it, it, it was it, it's a gamble. He was hoping. All right, I'm gonna get Jesse probably about a minute worth of rest. Yeah,
0: before the official timeout.
1: Yes. So he was hoping that the official timeout would come basically before 3:30. Yeah. Do I know when it came? Two minutes and 20 seconds. Ah. So we sat Jesse unnecessarily for. Over about 100 seconds yes yeah, so that's like 40 percent of the remaining yeah. game. Yeah. and he came Last. in after a James turnover trying to do too much on the offensive end as Creighton was about to do, who, Creighton props to them, they
0: barely missed free throws down the stretch as they were about to take a one-point lead. Well let's, let's, let's you know let's, let's do something fun and look at the game log from when Jesse comes out. Um, that is... You said it was around 4 minutes, right? 4-4, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, we have...
1: We played them close to even, but when he came back in, I think we actually
0: did play them exactly even. see, because that's 1... Yeah, I mean, they outscored us 5-4, to four, but we were still... Up, I mean, we were up by 1. We were up by... Actually, no, if you count the free throw, because that wasn't, you know, based on him. We were up by 1. Yeah, we played him even. It was 4-4. Yeah, four to four. Yeah, and then when Jesse came back in, he hit both free throws
1: to put him up by one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So technically, like... And we can talk about what Trey did in those minutes. He missed a jumper, he fouled someone, and then had a turnover. You know what, man? I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) (laughs) As you light up a cigar and jump off a bridge. I love Trey's Trey's leadership ability. I just prefer it on the bench. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's very vocal uh, from, you
1: know, in a suit yes he is and he's Uh, a great guy but just you know he's speaking yeah Uh, (laughs) there's not much
0: else to say about him. speaking of being vocal (laughs) um, I mean you you and I have both been at the games how much does our team talk not that much I don't think I don't think so right I mean it's that's another thing that kind of concerns me because a lot of defense is communication it's making sure people are in the right spots, and I know a couple times Jesse has literally had to push people into the right spots. But he's not, you know, he's not, you know, completely innocent either. On the one play, um, it wasn't the play where Alexander hit the three, but they hit a three. Jesse was just standing in the paint, watching his guy get offensive rebounds for literally three straight offensive rebounds, and then they got a wide open three. And I was just like, "Oh my God, this is." Like, this is our star. This is what it is. And I was
1: so tough to watch. When you watch a lot of the offensive rebounds that we gave up in that game, because I thought we gave up six too many because we gave up six, um, we just didn't put a body on a man. We were ball watching. Yeah. This goes back down to fifth grade basketball. I know, dude. It... Put your freaking butt on another guy and box him out. Yeah. This is it's just fundamentals. It's laziness.
0: Yeah. How much, I mean, we're, we're also dodging the big question here. How much of this do we think falls on Ewing?
1: I mean, consistency is the sign of a good coach. Yeah. And I know that we, you know, we joked about my Jet fandom way back in, you know, like in the beginning of the episode. But the biggest issue that Jet fans had with Coach Rex Ryan, great motivator, fiery, great with the press. We love the guy. We just weren't consistent. And that was a big reason why we ended up firing him. And I'm not saying that we should fire Ewing because this is his second year. And especially, you know, he played the game. And he's still learning the mechanics of running a team, using X's and O's. He's trying to find his style of coaching. Mm. And you know what? It's not going to happen overnight. I know we're frustrated because we think he should, you know... These losses shouldn't be happening, but people who are saying like, "Oh, you gonna be gone by the end of next year," like, yeah, just "Shut the hell yeah, up Yeah, like, get, miss me with that bullshit. Like, <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, and the, the, the truth of the matter is, Carter, we weren't winning the biggies this year. We weren't coming in second yeah. place. And the scarier truth is, do you know how many games out we are of third place? What? Half a game. <laughs> So, even though we're tied for last, we're actually a half a game out from being a top three team in the Big East. As absurd as that is, it's a reality. So, again, like, we just have to keep faith that he can somehow get into his guys' heads and make the proper adjustments. But right now, we had all the optimism in the world coming out of Providence. Yeah. And now, it's like... We
0: were a balloon rising up mm-hmm. that's just being completely deflated and we're back at the ground. Well, it, it, to, to add a little more flavor to your example, it's like the balloon, right, is rising and then a helicopter comes by and the blade hits the balloon <laughs> and, and then pops it, you know, four times over. And we fall and crash. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and then it derails the helicopter and then the helicopter crashes.
1: It's just um, a whole... Disaster. Effect,
0: yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, one of the things also, I uh, you know, I, I don't think I've sent you the link yet, but one of the reporters who I, like, kind of met for my time covering the team, he has a YouTube channel where he records all the post-game interviews and posts them. Like, shout out to you, Mook. Anyway, uh, another thing Ewing talked about in the post-game presser, because I'm starting to watch these now to see how, you know, they're being talked about, because... I think everyone's got to be impatient at this point or fed up with what's happening, right? And Ewing (laughs) talks a lot about self-motivation. That's what, you know, one of the questions was like, how do you get your guys to buy in and stuff like that? And he says, I don't really believe in that. He says, you know, especially when he was a player, he was a very self-motivated player. And so he expects that that end of the deal will also be held up by every one of his players if they want to succeed. And I... Self-motivation? Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, okay, right, let's think, you're a D1 college basketball player, you're obviously good at basketball, you've obviously put in work to get here, but who the fuck expects you to do it all by yourself? Like, what, what makes, it's funny too, something I saw on a casual Hoya comment that I'll read now is someone who is kind of lambasting you, and not to the degree that you or I think about him, but... He said that how often do you see an NBA superstar be a head coach, right? Yeah. What's, the, like, what's the likelihood? Most NBA coaches are like a backup point guard, right, or something like that. And what they said was what makes someone a superstar is this innate element that you can't really be coached or taught. It's just like a fire to be great, and you know, that's what makes it happen more than anything, right? As much as you can say, um, or as much as Ewing can say, JT2 helped me, Georgetown helped me, you know. Jeff Van Gundy helped me. Pat Riley helped me. No. I mean, he was the one who put in the work to make it happen. And if you have that special element, I I could believe that you just can't understand why someone else wouldn't have it. It's almost like... Right? And it makes so much sense in his first real recruiting class as head coach. He gets Mac and James, who have that, and Josh, who probably also has that. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that those are the three people who are... Developing the most under Ewing, whereas everyone else we've seen, they've kind of become stagnated. Like in the case of Jamarco, oh no, not Jamarco, uh Jagan or Javon, or even regressed. In the case, I of think Jamarcо
1: is a perfect example, right? Yeah. He hasn't,
0: he is not Ewing. That's why Ewing. That's where Ewing's tough love comes from. I think it comes from like a lack of understanding, where it's like, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why don't you care more, right? And no, I don't think everybody responds well to that. I know I don't personally. I need to be you know, supported and encouraged and you know, motivated a little bit when I get down on myself. And I don't think that everyone is the same way. Not everyone is the, the alpha that Ewing has recruited. And I think it's up to the coach um, to create a system that can draw as much out of those people as, pos- as possible. Like He's not going to be a therapist and just suddenly make all these people flip a switch like that. He has to meet them where they are you psychology major or something? Yeah, minor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: that actually made sense. I mean... Yeah, I don't... I mean, I, I have a tendency to, you know... I do think... Overanalyze this stuff. But I mean, I think that... Um, I mean, we had spoken about the trend of his, his you know, recruiting class. Uh-huh. He brought in a lot of alphas. And a lot of people that are go-getters have that dog mentality... And when you look at the The other people that are left over A lot of them don't really Have that Jesse in my opinion Doesn't really no, have that Jesse's a passive player he's fantastic And I'm going to miss him when he's gone yeah. And he deserves every Bit of respect That Georgetown fans Can give to him I for agree. what he's put in yeah. These four years I agree. Because, Especially the last two Yeah, And I think he should go down as one of the Top Modern Hoyas in the past twenty years, top players. One of the twenty. Look at the past twenty years from two thousand to now, twenty nineteen. We went. We went to a Final Four in oh seven, and I could. I think you could legitimately make an argument that Govan could be a top five player in the program since then.
0: Wow. Okay. When you look at his stats, maybe we'll we'll save that for our hot take segment. But yeah, I mean, it's just making me think. Like, I'm not at the point where I want anything to happen, but I'm just, it's making me think that, you know, we could, we might not, you know, we, we, also as fans, can't force our coach to change or someone to change, especially when Ewing's only been positively reinforced by having the attitude that made him such a successful player. Um, So, like I said, you know, this stuff, I guess, is supposed to happen. Right? These rookie mistakes, these youthful mistakes Not only as a coach, but as a player Right, But to me The fact that it happens in almost every co- Close game we play with the Illinois win Looking more and more like an outlier um, It's just It's making me think and The fact that we're not learning make, Is just making me think That's, that's what I'll leave it at
1: I, mean, I think it's a lot of it is frustration, anxiety I mean, I was talking about this With a frustrated fan And you know, like It's weird, not to toot my own horn, but I've kind of developed my own brand equity as the basketball guy around campus. Mm -hmm. So when people see me, they yell stuff at me like, Georgetown, you know, and I've got to respond to them. And they were like, how many games should we have really won? And I said, if I'm being entirely honest, every single Big East game that we've lost, we should have won, and the one that we should have lost was the Providence game, and we did win that. It makes no sense. None at all. I'm
0: shrugging. And, like, that's the truth of it. Yeah. It's crazy. I, and it's just, it's making me think. Like, it's just making me, that's all I can say. I mean, I do a lot of thinking as it is, but it's just a lot to think about, honestly. Want
1: I mean. to get into the hot takes? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I have some
0: hot sauce, baby, this I need some hot sauce. which one I want to do first. I have three that I'm thinking of. Um, They're all kind of related to what we've seen recently. All um, right, dive in. Do them. I okay. I'm willing to listen to all of them. Okay. Listen to okay. Hashtag embrace the beat. Yeah, I will start with my least hot one. Okay. Um, I don't think Ewing is the coach that brings us back to national prominence. Okay. As in, in the form of attorney appearance or just kind of a team that people care about. All right. Um, I think the timeline is actually very similar to what the Knicks are going through with uh, Fisdale. You know, both known more as, like, culture guys than X's and O guys who are young, new head coaches learning it. And I think especially at Georgetown, the way change happens so glacially here, um, if we really wanted to make the best basketball hire, we wouldn't have hired Ewan. We would have hired... I don't even know. Danny I Hurley. We would have hired Danny Hurley. Yeah. Or what is Tommy Amaker, right? People are thinking about him. Yeah. The Harvard guy. Like someone with exp- you know what I mean? Someone with experience. And I think Georgetown in hopefully is not the program that will always have to have an alum be the, you know, face of the team, which uh, is a whole other thing to get into. But I think what Ewing done has done a great job in is just, like I said, resetting the culture and kind of breaking a lot of the... Negativity and the stigma around the program, but I think in terms of the talent that we get brought in and the actual execution of or the capitalization on the talent we have, it's not going to be him. I think we'll see at the end of the four years where we'll, he'll lay a solid foundation, but I just don't think that it's going to be that period where we end up making things happen and kind of reaching the heights that we want the program to be at again. Okay. I can see why that's bold, but
1: also why it really kind of isn't in, in yeah. A sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope you're wrong. Me too. But right now, I mean, it's hard to say otherwise.
0: Yeah. I, I think I'm doing that more as honestly a, like a coping mechanism so I don't take every game so seriously. I'm at the Realizing point. that it's at least two more years. I mean, like, I love the guy. I love Ewing.
1: I respect him a lot. His willingness to come back to a school where he was unanimously looked upon as close to a living legend. And kind of risk an untainted reputation to rebuild that and bring this program back. So, I mean, a lot of people are saying that. I hope
0: all of you are wrong, but it'll remain to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. My next one is that I forget, I forget what the timeline is for this, but I think that, um, by the end of the season, Mac and Jesse will have the same scoring average. You're gonna
1: need your uh, your boy Big Mac to go off and have a couple of big games himself. There, Jesse's average is just high. It's about it's about twenty a game. How high is his max
0: right now? Thirteen and a half. Yeah, that's that's a that that's pretty. Wow. Well, another thing. This is I kind of thought of the math here. He's missed like four games, so he still only played about twelve. Like, even like the Marquette game boosted his average by two points. So, and, I, and in all fairness, too, I do expect Jesse's scoring average to go down. Okay, um, Maybe not to what it is now. I'm going to look it up um, as soon as I can learn how to type. Uh, <laughs> but he's probably at, like, 20, right? I could see it going down. I think, it, I think it'll go down to about 18, back to where it was last year. Because um, I think in the biggie in Biggie's play, he'll be forced to take more threes, which he shoots super well, but just lower percentage shot. Um, and I think Mac is gonna Mac is gonna keep uh, going up. One one of the interesting developments I want to see is how much of the team he eventually hands over to Mac, and if he begins to stagger Mac and James's minutes to see you know to give Mac maybe more exposure as our lead guard. Ewing just loves James. Maybe he even That's almost to a fault. I think I think it's a little too compared from what he deserves. Yeah, I I think it's just because
1: he sees so much potential. Yeah, in James, and I think he just respects James. Honestly, I mean, he grew up in a tough neighborhood. Yeah, he when you look at from a pure toughness perspective, nobody is tougher than James, and nobody deserves more respect for what he's gone through the way he grew up and the way that he views his own basketball life. like Just listening to the kids speak in high school, he was so motivated, so focused, so focused on his leadership. And I think Ewing sees that and believes yeah. that he can cultivate him into becoming what he thinks he could be, which is yeah. the next AI. Yeah. Or even, you could even say, the next Shimori Pons, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. A scoring guard that can attack in every sense of the word. Yeah. And I think he sees more of an overall potential than he does in Mac. And I think, actually, if you had to talk about which one is a better player
0: right now, it's Mac. It is Mac. His numbers, he's up to 41.5% from the field. Yeah. James' efficiency isn't there. I bet James is shooting 32% from two. And, like, 36 from three, which is good. But, like, I Max, by the end of the year, he could be at, like, 45% from the field, which would be so good as a freshman. And considering the
1: putrid shooting start that, that he
0: had, like oh, it's—I don't want to get ahead of myself on this—but um, I think that James's limitations as of now have also been more clear in the Biggies play, and he's not going to get more athletic, you know, or get taller overnight. And he hasn't—he's still trying to almost push the square peg into the round hole and just see if he can jam it in there. Whereas, like, you know. I think there are some adjustments that he needs to make, and I just I honestly don't know when he'll make them. We did say the we did say
1: that about Jesse last year too, and he it eventually clicked. Yeah, and he not met, everything though. No, some stuff, but his production and his efficiency and his effectiveness spiked during the last about five six games. So we can hope that that happens again this year with James. But I'm curious, what's your last take? Alright um, I think after this year Jamarco transfers You know I, I I would say that I actually don't think That's I think your second Take was hotter yeah. but, I mean The thing is With Jamarco I love his
0: Potential yeah. As an overall player I think he has the most NBA promise On our team Oh
1: he Absolutely Does In a sense I don't think he's just, I don't think he's Explosive enough For the NBA At the moment but when you look at dimensions, physical dimensions and athleticism, Jamarco has it all. Um, and he's really beginning to develop his skill set on the defensive end, yeah. especially in like a pure one-on-one. Like, I'm going to guard you, and you're not going to get by me. Yeah. He is becoming incredibly versatile and talented offensively. I mean, he airballed the freaking
0: free throw. Bro, did you, and his and his. Uh, did you see his three point airball? Yes. That was insane. I almost broke my TV in that. Uh, so it's it's frustrating,
1: um, but yeah, if he's and on the unfortunate part of, for Jamarco, when you look at. I I see you're looking. I see what you're looking at, and I get yeah. what you're putting out. I'm trying to, three um, and D players. Yeah, I'm trying to think. But think about the top three and D guys that Trevor came Bridges. out of college recently. Mikal Bridges is the prototype three and D player, and Trevor Ariza is the prototype three and D player in the NBA right yeah. now. You have to score effectively in college. Yeah, to come true. out and be legitimately viewed as that, and he's not doing that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, that's why partially why I think he'll transfer because. Ewing, he's the only player Ewing has spoken about negatively in a presser, and not just negatively, but not the but pessimistically. Where he'll say in post game pressers, Mac and James, oh they made mistakes, but you know they need to grow up and they will grow up. Jamarco's still only a sophomore. It's not like he's a junior running out of time. And and he's age wise, I think he's nineteen or he's twenty. Like he's a young dude. But Ewing says, you know oh, you know, he'll just have to get better and, you know, talking about, oh, he finally plays defense or he didn't play defense. Like, he's way harder on Jamarco than anyone and I can see, see this being like an Isaac Copeland situation. Where, Yo, right? What, what a comparison. Right? Where it's like especially if he Jamarco- might ruin Jamarco's career. Like, Jamarco was a very highly ranked recruit who a lot of people saw in the mold of, like, Brandon Ingram, KD, right? And I honestly think he's lost a lot of his swagger like, like I said, his development into a Swiss Army knife, I think it's been more of a way of like necessity. Because he doesn't have the same number of touches as he did last year, no. right? And yeah. So he's trying to find ways to fit in, but it seems like every mistake he makes, Ewing is just there to criticize him. I would agree with that. And I think
1: a lot of it is frustration with Ewing, and it could go back to him not understanding his mentality. Like, he understands Josh, Mac, James... Jamarco just may not think that way. Yeah. And he just might be, you know, a little bit out there, and Ewan's having a tougher time connecting with him than that. And look at Isaac Copeland. He transferred from Georgetown and resurrected his career at Nebraska. And if Jamarco doesn't, if he stays on the bench as a role player, Carter, it would not stun me. If you left
0: after the season, yeah, I could, especially if we get like a good wing recruit, um, you know, and Ewing likes what this guy has more than Jamarco, because he's he's obviously not afraid to bench Jamarco. Yeah. Um, And I I do think Jamarco is good enough to start on most D1 teams. I do too. Like, I don't think his ability is matching his current production, and I'm, I'm worried. I'd be mad if we lost him. Because I he, would be too He low-key I think is the player I have the most hope for I would, like, I'm rooting for I want him to succeed
1: Jamarco's one of my Favorite players on the team I wrote an article Talking about how His defense is crucial For our success Later in the season He had a tough Defensive game Against Creighton Just a lot of mental errors Especially switching Lack of communication overhelp. But he's still learning. He was a horrible defensive player last yeah. year. Oh my god! And his evolution into becoming the guy that we put on the best wing player—I mean, it's transformative. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. just that he's regressed
0: it every other way. No, but it's—I don't know. I doubt he is a literal worse shooter. Like if you put him in a gym and give him a hundred shots, there's no way he makes less than he did last year. I mean, right? He's just
1: so much think, in his head yeah. right now.
0: I think he's he's tentative. He's afraid. Like and that's I know I can't operate from a place of fear. I need to I need to have a longer leash and an ability to make mistakes. And I I'm think Jimarco, everyone does. And I'm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm Jamarco and I see the rest of the team have this leash and not me, I begin to think, Wow, what am I doing to deserve this? Why, I don't need this, as any natural human being would. So that's that's where I think it it goes it be it's in the realm of like I don't think it happens, but I could see it. I mean, I never thought Jamarco, about it that way. Yeah, but it's possible. And Jamarco we know he wants to make the league, right? And everyone, when you're, I know with the way he is, yeah. that has to be your goal. And people are chirping in his ear. I'm sure, like you got to get out of here. Yeah, and, like you deserve better. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. And
0: I don't know. was was Ewing his top choice, or was it JT three that got him here? It was JT three. Not a good sign. Yeah, Ewing, I think he committed in February, and then Ewing got hired that April. Okay. What a a prediction. Yeah.
1: What a prediction. Um, Mine was mostly just going
0: to revolve around St. John's. Okay, well, yeah, let's get into that. Um, Like you said, it's our away game on Sunday against the Johnnies in Queens. What's your take? You have it
1: right there. (laughs) Hi, For those of you that can't see The words say We're gonna get waxed LOL (laughs) Yeah I threw that in our um, our Notes doc It's not really a hot take but To be honest I thought Ewing developed a fantastic Game plan for St. John's In DC We had him and it took a couple of Jamarco shots to help us out But the thing is who do we have that's going to stop Chamorty Ponds at home? Who do we have that's going to stop Justin Simon? I think we were able to stick with him, and I think a large part of that was the fact that they weren't at home. I'm truly afraid of the fact that we have six remaining road games in the Big East.
0: Oh, my God. Really?
1: Yeah, we have more road games than home games remaining. Wow.
0: Watch us end up with, like, the same or a worse record than last year.
1: Yeah, so we have seven road games left. We have at St. John's, at Nova, at Providence, at Seton Hall, at Creighton, at DePaul, at Marquette. And we have five home games. Mm -hmm. So, I think another hot take is we have a losing record the rest of the year. And we have to play... That's not hot at all. And... We have to play the opening 8-9 matchup Wednesday night In the Big East tournament
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised To especially.
1: Either Creighton or Providence
0: Ooh. And I wouldn't like either of those and I don't feel good about, I haven't seen us We haven't played DePaul yet But I don't feel good about us Against any team
1: And we lose Same as last year 8-9 matchup, bow out first round. That's what I see from this team right now. Quite frankly, I mean, we're tied for 10th, man. It could be
0: 10-7 and we could be bowing out. Yeah, honestly. The Big East is going to be a steaming pile of unpredictable dog shit. Yeah, I mean, but, for those of you
1: wanting to hear my input, though, I'm going to be live game threatening the uh, St. John's matchup. Uh, on Thompson's Towel, which is a brand new uh, student-run Georgetown yeah. multimedia website run by yours truly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you guys check that. I was wondering
0: out. if you were going to plug that. Yeah.
1: Have to, man. We actually drew uh, 200 viewers two days ago. Wow. Yeah. Look at that.
0: That's yeah.
1: awesome. So uh, we're on the up and up, and uh, we we're going to have a little present in Red Square uh, come Saturday morning, hanging up a huge banner. Uh, I'll show you the I'll show you the picture for the rest of you listening. Uh, stop by Red Square for uh, Georgetown Saturday morning, and you're going to see something yeah. that's uh, pretty damn cool, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, well, there we go. I think that's a good note to end on. I agree. Uh, we're sorry again for taking too long. We do need to start doing these twice a week. It's just the schedule, the way it works. Yeah, yeah, it really is. We do have we have stuff in a calendar now, so um, yay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we should probably, I think our next episode will be after the Xavier game uh, on next Thursday. So hopefully, I mean, there definitely will be more to talk about. Hopefully some good signs and good news. Um, Maybe some uh, recruiting stuff. Yeah, honestly, honestly, we'll see what happens. Did you see, you sent me the thing about Cole Anthony, right? Yeah. I don't know why he would come here, but I could see. I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I I don't think so. Just the way he spoke about it, it
0: seemed like yeah. it was
1: more of his dad's thing than yep.
0: his. Yep, yep. It was the only one he said he didn't know people at. Yep. And I doubt James and Mac are the most friendly people. Saying, you know, I'm sure James is going out there <laughs> yeah, getting you know, a come, hug. Like, man, <laughs> let me show you around campus. Here. He's like, no, come here so I can beat you. James is probably spot, just spot.
1: like, you come here.
0: This is my house <laughs> James has to be One of the most Unfriendly people Yeah seriously I, I don't think I ever want to talk to him <laughs> like, he, he would be An awful interview uh,
1: I would like to inter- I would like to Interview James I think he, it, He'd probably be sitting We'd have him right here Between the two of us And we'd be like
0: So So James So James i would be like I'd, start, I'd go in I'd go in like For the dab Straight up and He'd just, just look get, at you Just, just get like, like What you know, are you doing yeah. <laughs> get, get completely dipped Yeah Yeah so, um, Well anyway uh, thank you guys again for tuning in we appreciate it uh, there's the bad and the ugly <laughs> we'll still be here and the uglier yeah, and the, uh, and the <laughs> uglier and the uglier because this you know this team defies expectations so yeah we- but uh, until then stay
1: safe stay excited enjoy the weekend Hoya friggin saxa folks
0: <laughs>